and welcome, friends. We're glad that you're listening and watching our Lenten preaching series in the midst of these uncertain times around coronavirus. One of these things that this sickness has brought about is perspective. Uh, we begin to learn what's essential and what we ought to hold loosely. And so our format may be changing from day to day. It may be that we have a preacher come in uh, and we record live uh, and archive that. It may be that they live stream or record a sermon from where they're located, honoring our present schedule. Or it may be that we have a different kind of programming uh, brought to you. Uh, but regardless, we're looking at having something every single day during Lent. Even though uh, things are changing around us, ministry hasn't stopped. And so what we think is absolutely essential is uh, what God has to say about uh, his word. And we are reminded of this during our Lenten services here on Sundays uh, when we sing from Isaiah chapter 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so without further delay, will you join me in praying for what we are about to hear? Grant to us, Heavenly Father, that the words which we will hear this day with our outward ears may through thy grace be so grafted inwardly in our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruit of good living to the honor and praise of thy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good day. For those of you who weren't with us yesterday, I'm Mark Upton, the founding pastor along with my best friend Matt Guzzi of Hope Community Church here in Charlotte and one of Cameron Cole's uh, biggest fans. Uh, thanks for giving me the privilege of being part of what God's doing through Church of the Advent, not only in Birmingham, but around the world. Uh, let me pray for our time together today. Father, thank you that you're not bound by time or space, and as a result, you're able to unify us in your presence no matter when or where we're listening to this sermon series. We pray now that your spirit of truth would come and lead us into the truth that transcends all of our circumstances and sets us free. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son, whom loves us and who gave himself up for us all. We pray, amen. Well, today I'd like for us to consider the importance of preaching the gospel to ourselves during times of distress from Jeremiah's words to us in Lamentations 3. Given the limitations of our time, I'm not gonna read the entire chapter before we begin, but I will highlight several of the verses as we go along. First, uh, an illustration. In 1999, Aaron Sorokin created West Wing, uh, a brilliantly acted series uh, that won 26 Emmys and was voted the number seven best TV drama of all time, according to TV Guide. It stars uh, Martin Sheen as President Josiah Bartlett, a left-of-center Democrat who television critics and political commentators alike at the time called, quote, America's favorite Democratic president. 
Uh, some even consider him a precursor to Obama. Uh, in the first season finale, uh, Josh Lyman, the assistant chief of staff for President Bartlett, is critically wounded during an assassination attempt on the president. And during the second season, Josh begins to suffer post-traumatic stress disorder. He eventually tells his therapist, quote, post-traumatic stress disorder, that doesn't sound like something they let you have if you work for the president. My favorite scene of the entire series takes place when Josh's boss, Chief of Staff Leo McGarry, finds out about Josh's condition, calls him into his office, and tells him this story. This guy's walking down the street when he falls in a hole. The walls are so steep he can't get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, hey you, can you help me out? The doctor writes a prescription, throws it down in the hole and moves on. Then a priest comes along and the guy shouts up, father, I'm down in this hole, can you help me out? The priest writes out a prayer, throws it down in the hole and moves on. Then a friend walks by, hey Joe, it's me, can you help me out? And the friend, jumps in the hole. Our guy says, are you stupid? Now we're both down here. The friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. It turns out that Leo was in recovery from addiction to alcohol and Valium. And so he understood what Josh was going through. The scene closes with Leo telling Josh, as long as I got a job, you got a job. Here's why I bring this up. In chapter three of Lamentations, we come to the reason why Jeremiah is writing the book, why God put it in the Bible, and why I've chosen for us to study it today. Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations because he's been in the hole of hopelessness. We all find ourselves in eventually. And while there, he discovered a way out. So how hopeless was Jeremiah? completely hopeless. Jeremiah is writing the book of Lamentations in the darkest period of the people of God up to that point. The Israelites had turned from God and started sacrificing their children on the altars of Baal. God sent Jeremiah to Jerusalem to explain to them that if they did not repent, they would face the consequences of their sin by being handed over to the Babylonians. For 40 years, Jeremiah begged them to repent. And then when he was 57 years old, God allowed the Babylonians to surround Jerusalem, lay siege to it for three years. The famine inside the city got so bad that children died in the streets and people even resorted to cannibalism. Eventually, the Israelite army fled, the city walls were breached, the palace and the temple of the Lord were completely destroyed and the royal family was taken into captivity in Babylon. Hence, Jeremiah's hopelessness. Lamentations 3, beginning in verse 1. I am a man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me 
and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. And verse 17, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Jeremiah's in a dark place. His ministry was fruitless. His country was defeated. His economy had collapsed. His friends were either dead or enslaved. His church was destroyed and his prayers had all been ignored. No wonder he felt spiritually dead, deprived of peace with his soul downcast within him. Maybe you know what that feels like. Maybe you are facing the loss of some of the people that you love right now, or your career, or your way of life, or your hope for tomorrow. Maybe even your ability to connect with God. Well, Jeremiah has some good news. There are certain things, it turns out, that we can only see in the dark, like stars, for example. They're shining right now, but it's too bright outside for us to see them. It has to be dark for them to become truly visible. And the darker it is, the more you can see. A few years back, a bunch of men from our church joined a buddy in Colorado to help him build a fire pit in his in-laws vacation home in what turned out to be one of the darkest places on the planet. In fact, apparently there are a group of people who travel to the darkest places on the planet so that they can see what we saw, more stars than I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, it turns out that what happens to us physically in the dark can also happen to us spiritually. What exactly did Jeremiah discover at the most hopeless moment of his entire life? It turns out that he discovered a source for hope outside of himself. And if this sounds familiar, it's because it's the title of one of Cameron's books. Verse 20, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Hope, it turns out, is a fruit of the Spirit which comes to us when we live by faith in what God has revealed to be true about himself in his word instead of by sight in our circumstances. Mark Vrogop explains this very clearly in a quote from his excellent book on lament, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, where he says, This is where biblical lament is transformative. It not only gives voice to the pain you feel, but also anchors your heart in the truths you believe. Or, 
are trying to believe when dark clouds linger. Loss can feel like a wasteland. It's devastating. But lament helps us rehearse biblical truth so hope will return. Despite what you see, despite what you feel, despite what you think, lament can be a supply of grace as you affirm that God's mercies are new every day. The Apostle Paul knew this firsthand and saw it every day in the churches he planted where following Christ often resulted in tribulation. In Romans 10, 17, he explained to his church, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 13 through 18, he says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All of this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what, on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that's what Jeremiah does in Lamentations 3. In his darkest moment, he brings to mind what he knows to be true about God from God's word, which he has hidden in his heart for just such a time as this. This is what Jack Miller so aptly called preaching the gospel to yourself, and it's something we desperately need at a time like this. And what is it that Jeremiah knows about God? Jeremiah knows that God loves him. Jeremiah knows that God is smarter than him. Jeremiah knows that God's compassions never fail. Jeremiah knows that God has made him a promise of eternal life with him. Jeremiah knows that God's mercies are new every morning. And if he has God, then he has all he needs, even if his body wastes away. How much more do we know than Jeremiah? We know that through the person and work of Jesus Christ, God himself has actually jumped into the hole with us. As Hebrew, uh, the book of Hebrews explains, Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. And he took on flesh to carry our sin and sickness and sorrows with him to the cross so that through him we might receive eternal deliverance from them all at the resurrection. This is what makes God available to us even in our darkest moments. Are you experiencing loneliness and isolation? Jesus understands. He was betrayed by his friend. He was abandoned by his apostles. He was misunderstood by his family, and he experienced forsakenness by his father. Are you deeply disappointed in your government or the church? Well, Jesus was unjustly convicted by a governor who knew that he was innocent and he was accused of blasphemy for telling his church the truth. Are you afraid that your body is going to break down? 
Well, Jesus sweat, sweat dropped drops of blood and remained silent when his contemporaries shouted, he healed others. Why can't he heal himself? And why did he do that? So that he could lead us out of the hole we're in. When Thomas asked him in John 14, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Jesus taught in John 12, The hour of the Son of Man to be glorified has come. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. That fact that Jesus knows the way out of the hole that we're in, even if our bodies fail, transforms the way that we're able to look at the trials of this life. It affected the Apostle Peter this way. In a letter to his church, he wrote in 1 Peter 1, 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. You see, like Jeremiah and like Peter, we too can wait on the Lord, even if we have to wait until the resurrection to get that which we desire. And what were the results of Jeremiah reminding himself of the truth, of preaching the gospel to himself in the middle of the darkest times? The result was that Jeremiah's hope returned. Verse 25 of Lamentations 3, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And this renewed hope changes Jeremiah's focus from controlling his circumstances to fostering his own growth in grace instead. Verse 27, It is good for man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to the one who would strike him. Let him be filled with disgrace, for men are not cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. So what would it look like for us to live this way now? 
it would look a lot like this. Like Jeremiah and Peter before us, we've gathered today to call to mind the truths of God that he's revealed about himself through the living word of God, Jesus Christ. And what are those truths? Exactly what Jeremiah discovered hundreds, thousands of years ago. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. May you and I be able to do so in the days and weeks ahead. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you know what it's like to be afflicted and that you came to bear our afflictions in your body that you might one day wipe away every tear and remove sickness from the planet. We pray, Lord, that your return would come quickly. And until then, Lord, we pray that you would use these trials to refine our faith, which is of greater worth than gold, that we might receive glory and honor when we hear you call us by name and say, well done, good and faithful servants. We ask this in your name. Amen.